Welcome to Subtle Asian Talks, where just three Asian American women here to share our perspectives on everything from social issues, current events, dating, professional development, and more. I'm your host, Cece. Hi, I'm Kilo. What's up? It's Nell. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I'm sure if you've noticed, we took a week off to kind of process everything in our personal lives, as well as the current events in society. So we're back and up and ready to really have a deep dive into the important conversations we're going to have today. And as I'm sure everybody is aware, there's been a recent rise in violence against the Asian American community. And I feel like we've created this platform as Asian American women to kind of discuss how our position in society informs our opinions and our thoughts. So I feel like it's kind of a conversation we have to talk about and shed light on. So I think particularly when we talk about the shooting in Atlanta and the recent hate crimes, particularly against the Asian elderly in our community are really important topics that I feel like we need to address and bring awareness to. And before we really dive into it, I'd like to give a content warning because we are gonna be talking about some pretty heavy topics, you know, with the shooting and just overall like racial violence and gender violence. So if that's something that is a sensitive topic to you that may trigger you, uh, I kindly suggest you may need to skip this one out and you can join us back next time but um i'm ready to really have this conversation because it's a conversation that needs to be had so hate crimes against the asian american community has really been a hot button topic at the moment and i feel like a lot of conversation around that has been concentrated over the events of the past year and the covid pandemic and specifically politicians especially former president trump really antagonizing, particularly China as a country, which has really led to overall as the Asian American community has been seen as like a monolithic community for such a long time, that regardless of what demographic an Asian American person is, they've been subject to different hate crimes over the past year. And we've been seeing a rise in it in the past year and it's really been something that has become a problematic issue that has finally been brought to the attention of the media and I feel like that I feel like it's really nothing new at all and actually I feel like maybe there isn't even like a huge increase just because of the recent events maybe it's just because of the recent events we're finally seeing the crimes for what they were and maybe crimes that happened in previous years that were hate crimes aren't being named what they are. So I think that a lot of the framing around this recently has been around like blaming Trump and blaming politicians for like framing COVID as the China virus and allowing for Asian racism to happen. But I really do think it's a deeper ingrained issue in our country. And I feel like seeing it as only caused by the COVID pandemic is a really ahistorical way of looking at it. And I think in order to really address the issue at its roots, we need to kind of understand how deeply ingrained and accepted 
racism towards Asians is in this country and how many of us are seen as the perpetual foreigner because of the ways our governments and people in power have shaped Asian communities to be antagonizing. And that has really led to where we are today. And I think we really need to combine like, yes, I think the normalization of Asian hate through our current, like during our past presidency has caused that increase in acceptability of Asian hate crimes. But I don't think it's anything new. And I think it's just like only because of this recent escalation, we're really having this topic as a conversation, but really it's an issue that has been happening for time that has, I feel like has been a stone left, like unturned. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I definitely think that now that these occurrences and, you know, these Asian hate crimes are happening um, and media is starting to, I guess, put a spotlight on it um, really does open, you know, everyone's eyes to the realities of what a lot of Asian, uh, what a lot of what the Asian community kind of goes through. Um, and, you know, it it's not new that Asian hate crimes are happening. As Cece says, it's been a historical kind of occurrences, um, but it's getting the media attention that it needs to be addressed now. Um, so I guess like, you know, this is kind of a sensitive topic just because, you know, people have kind of brushed it off um, and kind of tried to hide it. Um, but now that, the, I guess you can say the cat's out of the bag, you, the bag just keeps getting bigger and bigger, you know, and there's been too, a lot of incidents of Asian hate crimes over the past year, not even just the past decade or anything, but just the year itself. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, even just like the media can't hide it anymore that it's like these one-offs. They, they have to like, inform other Americans what's going on so they can protect themselves as fucked up as that is mm -hmm. and the fact that they need to be they need to educate other people that this is not okay and that um that there's serious consequences to these incidences like I know we'll go more into depth of these but I don't know it just it really makes me my blood boil because like Y'all, I'm like a short Asian woman and I just want to fight everyone now. Like, it's bad. And I don't know, the world just is in the dumps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally feel that. I feel like, you know, we all live in the Bay Area. So I think in, I guess, my privileged position, I feel like I felt this false sense of safety in a sense that uh, I wouldn't really be any subject to this violence because of my race. And I feel like there's a lot of reasons that I'm in a privileged position that would make me less subject to violence. But I think seeing this all together in such close like temporal events, I guess, is like, I guess, really emotionally taxing to see. And I feel like it kind of brings about a fear that I feel like I mistakenly never felt as an American in this country yeah dude like uh, I thought I was getting somewhere you know like 
I don't know, just moving on with the life. And like now with all these hate crimes, all my dad is, I know this is sounds really, I don't know, minuscule, but he's like showing me like what true hatred looks like in the world. And I hate, I freaking hate the excuse of you have to, it's not you I'm worried, it's about other people. And I just hate that because that's, it's, it's just, it's not promoting uh, like a good society. Like you always have to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. I definitely think it's very disheartening that this is the sad reality that we kind of live in. Um, and it's just like, uh, as I feel like, you know, being from the Bay Area, it definitely kind of skewed my perception of, you know, things have been happening or like, this won't, this can't be happening. This realistically can't be happening. Um, but with, you know, the new, I guess, I don't want to say new, but like with the media coverage now, it's like, this could happen anywhere, anyone, anything. And it's scary to me just because it's like, I have a grandma, we all have grandmas, we're scared for the elderly. Um, and, and not only that, but I'm also scared for my family's safety, my safety, um, because I just don't feel safe anymore, in a sense, mm-hmm. because of, you know, such events that have been happening like um and you know I constantly as Kilo has to say be on guard just in case which Mm -hmm. I shouldn't need to feel that way (laughs) um but or no one should be able or no one should ever feel unsafe but it is it it is what it is I guess Mm -hmm. I think I also had a very like visceral reaction I feel like you know, as somebody who, like, tries to educate myself about the ways in which racism and different social factors really affect the conditions we're living in, you know, I've, I've been aware of, like, the model minority and, like, this concept of Asian Americans being the perpetual foreigner, but in a sense, I feel like I as, like, it's, like, the lesser racism that doesn't manifest in violence, but the more you think about it and just from recent events, you see where it does lead to violence and it can escalate. So I think that was a big wake up call for me in a sense. And just from like a very personal level, it's just like, oh, my mom is a small business owner and I I feel concerned every day when she goes to work about her safety. And, you know, I have elderly grandparents that, you know, go on walks every day. And I feel like to fear for their safety when they're just trying to go about their lives and try to support their families through their business it shouldn't be something we should feel scared about and there needs to be real change in order to make our communities feel safe and I feel like there hasn't been a lot of real change in that regard and I feel like a lot of the solutions that people really lead to are like things that potentially lead to more violence, like increasing policing and increasing like the carceral nature of our justice system. And it's just, it's a lot to process, I have to say. These solutions aren't even like, like, or workarounds with, I appreciate the Asian community, you know, rallying together and going in groups of protecting the Asian elderly. But honestly, let's be real, how long are they going to be doing that? This is not a progressive society. And I totally agree with you, Cece, with the like, 
it really was a reality check of, okay, shoot, this is, this is me just older. And I don't, I, I got really, really mad. Mm -hmm. I feel that. And like, I feel like I have, I feel like it's something I need to bring up because it's something that's been on my mind as I've been witnessing these different events. And while, you know, all of us in the Asian community feel affected by these recent events, I feel like myself I'm in a very privileged position because when we really talk about these individual hate crimes, I feel like they are often the most marginalized or the most vulnerable of our communities. So yes, while I do feel a little bit more scared about my safety, I recognize that uh, a lot of us are in positions of privilege. And I feel like a lot of people aren't really recognizing that when they're talking about these issues, the ways different factors intersect into making people more vulnerable to types of violence. Because, you know, like myself, I'm a young, like in my 20s, middle-class, college-educated person. And I have a lot of privilege in like the neighborhoods I'm able to live in and the work I'm able to do that provides me an increased sense of safety compared to other groups like the elderly, the undocumented, the working class, sex workers, all of those people in our community are exponentially more exposed to violence than I am. So while I feel a sense of fear, it's nowhere near the amount of fear that people are experiencing when they have many factors that make them increasingly marginalized and increasingly less visible in society. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with you, Cece. Um, I'd also like to, I just, I guess, send my condolences to everyone that was victim, was a victim um, in the whole Atlanta shooting and a lot of different other hate crime occurrences that have been happening all over. Um, so sending my condolences to them. And I feel like this topic has been long overdue and I'm glad CC touched upon, you know, our privileges because these are the type of things that people aren't socially or mentally aware of. And I think it's important just to kind of realize your privilege um, in any way, shape, or form that you might, I guess, be different from another person, you know? Yeah, I agree. Like, um, I got like a, a hyper sense, or just like, I got really sensitive of my privilege just with everything going on, just other personal life events. I'm like, I was able to afford this because of other circumstances. And, uh, you know, just my ethnicity and my socioeconomic status and all of that ties into play. And it's, I know like it's, it's weird, but it's like overwhelming and you just wanna reach out to help someone and do something and actually be a part of change instead of just being a cog in the machine and just working. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like there's this like vague even like within our community amongst people that are like about the same demographic as us, I feel like there's these very empty, vague messages of like, stop AAPI hate. But I feel like there isn't this acknowledgement of, yes, we are all 
Asian Americans that are labeled under this community. But again, we're not a monolith and people have overlapping identities that make them more like disproportionately affected by these acts of violence. So I feel like, yes, we need to unite under that. But if we don't unite while understanding the ways people are affected in in like inequitable ways, I feel like we can't tackle the issue because a lot of the hate crimes we've witnessed are, are the victims are immigrants, are possibly undocumented or elderly, working class, possibly sex workers. So I feel like if we don't acknowledge that and put those at the forefront of the conversation, how are we gonna make communities more safe for the people that are the most vulnerable. And I not really that acknowledgement of that. And I think it's something important to bring up. We need to listen to the voices of the most vulnerable in our community in order to really attack the problem at its root. Because like, like me, you know, I'm a privileged person, like probably the most racism I personally experienced is like people making like bad jokes at me when I was in school growing up. And things like that. So I feel like my perspective is very limited. And if we don't listen to those that are affected by those crimes the most, we really can't uplift everybody. So I think we need to start by uplifting those that are subjugated to the most hate in our community. So I feel like basically what we've been getting at here is one of the main topics that I feel like isn't discussed enough when we talk about Asian hate crimes is ultimately how intersectionality and how different overlapping identities and social factors like really shape the individual experience and how that disproportionately affects different members of our community in different ways. And particularly when we talk about the spike in hate crimes towards the elderly, I feel like they're especially vulnerable because oftentimes our elders, they're the first of our, like the generation to found themselves and be grounded in this country. So a lot of times they're immigrants and many of them because they might've come here at an older age, may not even have English proficiency and have language barriers that make them even more susceptible to violence because they're less likely to speak out or call for help. So I feel like something about the hate crimes against the elderly is particularly insidious because people see them as an easy target to enact their racial violence against. And it's really disheartening to see because Oftentimes, you know, I think about my grandparents and I think about our elders and how they've really done so much to build ourselves up in this country and to um, create the lives that we have now. And to really, I, I feel like the legacy that they carry isn't lost on me. And to see the historical and, you know, personal importance they hold, it's, especially saddening to see them being subject to violence because I feel like they've gone through so much in their lives that 
racism is something they can't escape now that they're here. So I feel like the sense of danger and lack of safety has continued throughout their lives and is really frustrating to see because I feel like, especially at the later end of their lives, they should be able to enjoy it and feel safe. Yeah. The whole like shove elderlies because you're above them where they cause the virus makes literally zero sense. And the fact that they do that, yeah, you mentioned easy targets and they don't even, they're literally minding their own business. Like they're, okay, this is weird to say, but they're on their last leg and they just want to enjoy life as it is. They don't want any of this toxic bullshit to go through and then and then you know pass away like the fact that like um the fact that like there was an incident in the bay area where or so many incidents actually where they are literally shoved and then they get a concussion and then like they slip into a coma and then they never wake up because of like internal bleeding or something like that is very disgusting like i'm so glad these people are caught but i wish that they were caught prior because these elderlies yeah they they grassrooted themselves here um i mean i'll bet they might be you know you were saying um like in their adult life or like they they came as children but regardless they really did make something out of themselves here and that should be acknowledged not tossed away i also don't think it's fair or it's right to disrespect these people that you know as you know both cc and kilo kind of touched upon it's just these elderly are minding their own business and it's really not fair that people are targeting the vulnerable um i guess you can say people of a certain community um and i think it's important that you don't want like they're human too this isn't any, this isn't a game. Like if you end up hitting an elderly and they're in a coma, you're playing with someone's life right there. This ain't Grand Theft Auto that you could just restart a whole game. You're playing with someone's life. That grand, that elderly that you're messing with, they have grandchildren. They have people in their families that are going to be heartbroken if let's say anything were to happen. Like, um, the when people die from these Asian hate crimes is really un, like I guess disheartening and unfortunate that you know these elderly are are going through these type of I guess scares um and they can't go out without feeling unsafe and they can't live their last decade of their life feeling content feeling happy because they're just going to be constantly living in fear and have this anxiety of how or what's going to happen when they step foot on the streets. Which kind of brings me to the point of one of the stories that I, the news stories that I came across. Um, her name is, forgive me for my pronunciation, but Xiao Zhen. And she is the 75 year old old lady, but still a fucking icon. And She's just minding her own business on Market Street of San Francisco. And this 35-year-old white dude takes a swing at her, gives her two black eyes. But this woman will put up a fight and whack this guy with, his, with her, like, 
um, wooden stick. And I don't know, the fact that there's still hope to get rid of this um, racism in the world, the fact that they're like, um, we're not taking it and just, uh, you know, taking it low, I guess that's, is that what you're saying? Like, or is that the saying where like, we're just they're taking- done being silent there, yes. you know what I mean? Like, I get what you're trying to say, Kula. Thank you. Yes. Like she literally, she said to the press, we got to fight racism to the death. Like that's so, that's so metal. And I completely agree. All of her medical proceeds over a million dollars, right? She had a GoFundMe from her grandchildren. She donated it back to the Asian American Pacific Islander community to really fight for this issue and this, like, um, get rid of this hate in this world. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's just my two cents of. Yes, and I completely applaud her for her bravery in that moment and especially her generosity in donating a lot of the funds from her GoFundMe to support the community. And like, I feel like it's like almost like really sad because I feel like while it's very brave of her to be like, yes, we need to fight racism. It's just like, they shouldn't be able to, like they shouldn't have to do that, right? I want uh, our elderly to be living life in peace and not having to worry about the weighty issues of Asian violence, you know? So yeah. as much as I'm like, she is a true badass. I'm just, part of me is just like, well, she shouldn't even have to go through this. You know, we need, to, it shouldn't be just the people that are subject to violence to be the ones fighting against it. You know, we need people that truly have power to actually take a stand against these things. Yeah, that's really true. The it's not a reactive approach. It should always be a proactive despite it not, despite us not even needing, we shouldn't even need to do that in the first place. Mm-hmm. Because like what? We're not the ones that cause the racism towards us. It needs to be the people, AKA white supremacists, the people like systems of white supremacy in this country that has shaped these conditions. So yes, that's me kind of <laughs> bringing it down and saying, man, I applaud her, but also, dude, it's the systems of white supremacy that need to really be tackled in order to solve this issue. Yep. That's really unfortunate. I feel like, you know, it's another reason why the system is flawed. It's always the people that are subject to oppression and violence that have to be the ones to advocate for themselves. And they're trying to prove a point when they shouldn't even have to in the first Because the people that are protected want to keep things that way because they benefit from it. And that's, you know, a very frustrating thing living in this society. Mm-hmm. You bring up an interesting point, Cece, with, um, with white supremacy. It really is in the shadows of all of these issues. And we really need to wrangle it out and really tackle what's going on and show the world what... <laughs> is behind everything because I think it is the overarching issue bringing up to what we've been alluding to with the Atlanta shooting, Atlanta, Georgia that happened recently. Uh, Like it's extremely like unfortunate. I I feel so like gut wrenched that these eight victims 
were were like um they're just shot while they're just doing their own thing and the fact that this white dude went around on a spree essentially targeting these places because he had a okay he had a sexual addiction and couldn't control himself so he had to get rid of the problem that's not how you fucking get rid of the problem okay you go to you go to you go to therapy for that shit okay i'm not i'm not harping on sex addiction i understand it's a problem but it never should manifest like that and in fact if you ever feel like that you really need to check yourself and talk to someone about it it shouldn't be i need to end someone's life because this is impeding me that's not that's a very childish and just not compassionate way of trying to resolve your own problems. And I'm not trying to humanize him where, yeah, he had these mental issues. Like the fact that he targeted these places and said like, oh, I had a bad day or no, sorry. The police said he had a really bad day and he was like feeling really off or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't, that's bullshit too. Like the cops got to stop covering for, for these these attacks Mm -hmm. kilo i was like absolutely gonna say what you were about to say because as we're really tackling the ways in which white supremacy is the root cause of a lot of this violence it's like the ways in which the systems that support white supremacy are protecting these aggressors that cause these acts of violence because i feel like the cops were really painting the shooter in a very sympathetic light almost. And they wanted to deny that it was racially motivated in any way. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it it proves even further the ways in which the systems built in place support white supremacy and are willing to protect those who enact violence against our community, right? And I think a lot of people haven't really acknowledged how the tragedy in Atlanta is really such an overlap of different issues because when they claim that the shooter, his motive was because of his sex addiction, I feel like a lot of people don't correlate how the sexualization of these women correlate to racial violence because I feel like oftentimes as Asian women, the sexualization of Asian female bodies and violence against them are very much intertwined issues. And I feel like if we don't acknowledge that, we're not going to get anywhere to really making things better for these women who are working class. And I know they were working at a a massage salon and whether or not they were sex workers or not is not important to me. I feel like the possibility of them being sex workers or just the perception of them being sex workers already made them a target. And it shows how much these people who are working class or sex workers and are Asian working women who are immigrants are especially devalued and their bodies are viewed as disposable by white men. Yeah, both of you have a really good point. And I find it really, I guess, important to note that, you know, with the whole shooting that happened in Atlanta, people are accused, are saying that it's not racially motivated, but in a lot of aspects it is. Um, And, you know, there's evidence that shows that, you know, he was sexualizing these Asian women and due to that, you know, that 
influenced him or you know sparked his desire to eliminate all the Asian women so in a way it is uh, racially motivated but media and you know the white cop says otherwise so it's crazy that people are trying to justify his actions in any type of way not justify but like try to brush it off in a sense Mm -hmm. this is also like everyday woman they're not trying to perceive as sexual objects for your viewing so get those thoughts out of your heads people because they are just trying to exist and you perceiving them like that doesn't help anyone and you put a filter on them before even getting to know them and that's despicable mm-hmm. it's disgusting because it's just like he projected his own problems onto another person not like projected but like he was like i have the problem but it's your fault like he was pointing fingers at the asian woman and it's just disgusting that this man was like i'm gonna do the world a favor and eliminate these asian women um and he thinks is justified and it's just it's not mm-hmm. and absolutely i feel like i i need to add because like again i'm not sure whether the victims were sex workers or not but I feel like it's an important point to bring up in which regardless, you know, people who do sex work deserve to be treated with dignity and full-fleshed human beings. So regardless of the nature of their work, I feel like they need to have equal value in society. And I think we need to make it so it's safer for these people because I think especially under white supremacy and the patriarchy there's this overlap that demonizes both asian women and asian women who are possibly sex workers so it's really tough like a really tough thing to digest about how all these factors really combine into what makes these women largely invisible and devalued in our society and it really makes me think about how with Asian fetishization, I feel like a lot of times, even by, I feel like I've heard this from like Asian men too, in which people shape the quote attraction white men feel towards Asian women, like this perception of attraction under the white male gaze is almost seen as a privilege. But I feel like in the tragedy in Atlanta, we can really see how this supposed privilege under the white male gaze turns into very real violence against Asian women and how it really manifests in really terrible and really insidious ways. I feel like I've said that word a lot, but I, it's just really hard for me to process all that, you know? Yeah, I agree. The fact, okay, for one, let's not, I don't want to like, Interracial couples are a thing, yes, like, you do you, but perceptions of those, if you're not within that relationship and, you know, everything's going, everything's healthy and stuff, like, don't put your negative or your your perceived positive prejudices of that situation, like, oh, she, she got a white guy, so, like, she's set, or, like, oh, she only got him because like, you know, she's like, she does everything for him. Like, fuck that. As well as 
the fact that um, Asian men pit themselves in this, or they put themselves in this position where they're not supporting Asian women, some like people of their own ethnicity and culture. Like they're t- like they're weirdly turning back on them because if they ever you know um, experience heartbreak, they're like, oh, she left him for a white guy, so it's like it's it is what it is, you know. Like I just suck, or I don't know, you know, some something a narrative similar to that, mm-hmm. and I think that needs to be abolished as well. Yes, completely, and I feel like a lot of what has helped me conceptualize this, I feel like I have to reference. Erna Kim Hackett on Instagram. She's been having very um, insightful like Instagram lives that has really helped me digest what has been going on and what I've been feeling towards everything. Because Asian women and especially Asian women who are working class or sex workers are in an especially um, tough position to be in because they're facing like white supremacy white patriarchy and also Asian patriarchy and this concept of purity culture all at once in a way that they're demonized by several groups, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really difficult in that position to feel like you don't even have support from the men in your own cultural community, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's something that I feel like I have to call out. Because I feel like when we've been having this discussion of Asian violence, I feel like Asian men aren't acknowledging the ways in which they may be complicit or even contribute to violence against Asian women, right? So I feel like they're able to stand up and vaguely say, stop AAPI hate and almost make it about them or feel like, uh, I feel like they like, they're more comfortable tackling the hate crimes against the elderly because they'll be like oh that's like my grandparents right and it's more of a something that is more of an emotional pull for them than what happened in Atlanta I feel like there's very much a lack of acknowledgement in the ways in which this was a crime specifically against Asian women and particularly working class and possibly women in sex work and I feel like men aren't ready to tackle that because then that exposes their own biases against women and their own violence against women. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, I definitely agree. And I think it's, um, in a sense, it's like important to bring attention to all of these just because this will help, you know, not only the Asian men, but the Asian community bring awareness to the problems that have, you know, been kind of swept under the rug because it's like, it's, it's, it's a taboo to talk about, you know, if you're a sex worker, especially in like Asian culture. So there's just a lot of intersectionality um, involved with this. And it's not just as, it's not a black and white type of deal. There's so many different entities that play a role. So um, as Cece says, um, Erna has a lot of resources that um, CC actually shared and kind of, you know, I thought they were really interesting and kind of, you know, taught me a lot of things as well. So I think that's important um, to check out too. Plug for Erna. Yeah, she doesn't need it. She is out here being a very strong voice in our community, but I feel like I have to credit her for a lot of the 
ways in which I'm able to articulate how I'm feeling in this moment. Yeah. But I feel like Asian men in particular, I feel like, I feel like just in general, but especially Asian men, I feel like they really, well, just in general, I feel like they're really, there's a strong emphasis on like crimes against Asian people. But again, it's like very specific who is targeted. And yes, we as the Asian community need to stand against it. But again, we need to name the specific ways in which people are affected. And if Asian men don't reconcile with the ways they contribute to the patriarchy and almost villainize a lot of Asian women for being subject to the white male gaze, like, how can we get anywhere? Because we don't even have support from the men who allegedly care about us and want to uplift us, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, it's like actually like really shitty, right? Because have you really seen like anywhere about any Asian man really saying we need to protect Asian women specifically? Or have they been vaguely talking about like stop Asian racism, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've, I have yet to really see an Asian man be able to incorporate gender in their analysis of the situation. Yeah, Cece, I completely agree with you. And I definitely think that like, you know, not trying to target the Asian men in here or our Asian men listeners or just men listeners in general, just like kind of be more self-aware of how you perceive um, Asian women, especially like, you know, with everything that has happened, you know, whether or not someone is in sex work or not, they're still human. Um, So I guess kind of call attention to the things that the innate, I guess, biasness that we, we not, not we, but like, but you may have, we all have inner biasness or whatever um but like just be more aware of that and kind of like if you notice that like oh I I as an Asian man um uh haven't really had this conversation it's like okay let's have these conversations let's call out on people um when you see people dehumanizing these women call attention to your own self have these discussions especially in the Asian community because um these are conversations that need to be heard and need to be discussed in order for us to grow and you know better ourselves as a community also now uh, I don't know about you but I am absolutely calling them out okay yeah (laughs) I do do mean to call them out yeah and I'm not doing this out of malice. It's just I want better for our community. Exactly, and it's just it's, so. if you don't if you don't step up, how who else is gonna step up? Like this is like so we're like not gonna lie, Asian women, us Asian women, we're tired. Like no one's listening. Like we're trying here, but like if you're not having the conversation, we're just talking to a brick wall at this point. Like you know what I mean. Because then we're just like talking amongst each other, right? We need more people to support 
the issues that are facing Asians. Exactly, yes. It's just like, if these conversations are just happening amongst us, how can we really get anywhere in our community? Exactly. If we don't have men that are willing to acknowledge the ways Mm -hmm. in which they benefit from patriarchy. And not just calling Asian men, but like calling all men. Yes. Um, just because it's like this perception of like, you know, gender or this this conversation of how gender plays a role. Um, men just don't really acknowledge that, like, you know, they feel uncomfortable when they talk about these things. And it's like, why do you feel uncomfortable? Like, why do you stay silent when these issues um that involve gender come up and you know have these conversations get out of your comfort zone and you know step up do better as you know a underlying quote of our podcast men do better exactly exactly yes i feel like asian men need to acknowledge but also like yes also the the grand scheme of things is it's hard for me to articulate because I feel like at the end of the day, the big issue is the ways in which white supremacy affect all marginalized groups in different ways, but in also quite frankly, uh, very, because I'm like, oh yes, I think Asian men need to get called out, but also it's like a lot of, it's like a lot of different things because I'm like I feel like the main issue at hand at all of this is like how white supremacy affects communities of color and which that overlaps with the patriarchy and then there's this whole other issue because I feel like patriarchy doesn't just exist in the white communities there's very much a very specific very ingrained patriarchy in our Asian communities as well right that is not separate, but is also a very specific experience to exist. So I feel like when we're having conversations in regards to solidarity, I think it's very important that we acknowledge and touch on these different aspects that we've had with this conversation today. You know, the ways in which intersectionality affect us and the ways in which we have to acknowledge as people of color the ways in which white supremacy affects us all in uniquely different ways and how we can create a more fuller fleshed understanding of that and to really understand each other on a deeper level And I also want to add, like, this is a very difficult time for the Asian American community. And I want to give space for people in our community to really process that and feel whatever emotions they're feeling. And I think with that, I, it's almost like, I feel like at least for me, even though these issues are so much bigger than ourselves, I feel like it gives me some comfort that there are people that are really doing the work that needs to be done into tackling these issues. And it's, as somebody who is like 
an Asian American who has really sought to try to dispel the model minority myth. I found a lot of comfort in groups that are seeking activism in the Asian American community. And I really value that. So I think what we can really do to support the cause is to donate and bring our attention to organizations that are truly putting in the work. Cause I'm honestly just a person uh, yelling at a microphone and I really wanna give a shout out to the people really putting in the work. And um, we really touched on Asian women, particularly Asian sex workers. So I wanna shout out Red Canary Song, which is an organization that works towards promoting the causes of Asian sex workers, especially in New York City. So um, if you could donate to that organization, that would be great. And also Advancing Justice, as well as the Advancing Justice chapter in Atlanta specifically, they're doing a lot of good work. And also AAPI Women Lead has given a lot of educational resources for me as an Asian American woman trying to process a lot of uh, my positions in this society. So I encourage everybody all to check those organizations out, particularly because I think it's super important to support Asian American causes that push towards the voices that are really in the community and understanding the needs. And I know that a lot of groups have pushed towards increased policing and putting like plain clothes police into Asian communities. And if you listen to sex workers and more vulnerable communities, they're very much against that. So I encourage people to do the research in looking up organizations that do not support increased policing because I feel like that doesn't make our community safer for the most vulnerable. So I really hope that, um, I feel like this was kind of more of like a therapy session for us to really rant and get our thoughts out, but um, hopefully it resonated with you and you got something out of it as much as we did. Yes, even though, you know, um, our platform is very small, we do want to use our voices to make an impact no matter how small or like how loud we shout you know we want to you know be a part of this movement and kind of be able to speak about these type of topics and it hits close to home because they're asian american women too but anyway just wanted to add that well i think cc and nell really hit the sentiments i had um, I just want to say, stay safe out there and ironically, keep on the good fight. You know, uh, that, that part's really important. 